Hey, you're listening to On Campus, a show about life and stories from a college town. I'm Kevin Gagnon, and this episode is the first in a three-part series on students and staff here at the University of South Carolina who did amazing things over the course of 2017. Originally, I had planned for these three people to be all contained in one episode, but as you'll soon find out, their stories are so important, I decided to split them into three. All right, here's the show. Um, the point of the run isn't to be easy and is to make you realize like, hey, this is something really difficult that we're doing right now. But you know what? There's patients out there who have cancer and stuff. They're going through chemo. They're just going through so much more than I am right now. And it's really putting life in perspective. And um, it just helps you have so much more empathy for others. So according to the American Cancer Society, 60,000 young adults between the ages of 20 and 39 are diagnosed with cancer each year. And of those 60,000, 9,000 die. Among the leading causes of death in young people, cancer ranks fourth and is the leading cause of death by disease easily. And oftentimes it's easy to see cancer as something too big to fight on our own, a looming shadow that we can't shake. But each year, a group of brave college students stand up to do what they can to spread awareness and raise money by running 4,000 miles across the country. And today we bring you the story of one student from our campus who stood up to fight this devastating illness. From WUSC Columbia and Garnet Media, this is On Campus. We'll be right back. This is a Garnet Media production. For more great audio content, check the link to our landing site in the description of this episode or search Garnet Media in iTunes. We have some amazing shows from mythology to pop culture to entertainment and more. Also, please take a moment to rate and review this show on iTunes or Google Play. It would really help us out and we greatly appreciate it. All right, back to the show. That person you heard at the beginning of our show, her name is Eleanor Mooney. She's a junior at USC and a triple major in international studies, Spanish, and French. Eleanor is one of the most accomplished and incredible people you'll probably ever meet. She studied abroad in Barcelona, worked with students helping Honduras, and has written an article on establishing business relationships in Latin America. The link to that is in the show notes of this episode. It's a great read. I highly suggest you check it out. But surprisingly, that's not the stuff we're talking about today. Instead, we're focusing on a 4,000-mile trek across the country. Many feel powerless when facing something like cancer, but for a select few, it's an opportunity to give back. At least that's how Eleanor felt about it. She got involved with a program called 4K for Cancer and ran 4,000 miles to help raise money for the cure. The 4K for Cancer is a branch of the Ullman Cancer Fund, which is a nonprofit that's based in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, basically, the Ullman Cancer Fund works to provide support and um, awareness for young adults with cancer. They have a lot of different resources, um, and they do do a lot with um, sport in order to just increase confidence in cancer patients and help them just feel confident within themselves. From there, two teams of 30 people run 4,000 miles from the west to the east coast of the United States to raise money. Each team has a different route, both starting in San Francisco, but each ending up in a different city on the east coast. Eleanor's team ran to Baltimore, while the other team ran to New York. And for most people, running that far would be the intimidating part. But for her, it was raising money. 
Um, actually, it's kind of funny. A lot of people were really, really nervous about the running aspect of the 4K. I was super excited for that, and I felt really confident with all that stuff. It was the fundraising that really, really <laughs> intimidated me, just because um, I personally have a lot of trouble asking people for money. I, I really don't like doing that, even though the 4K is an amazing cause. We've got like 90% of our profits go directly towards um, the services we provide, so it's, it's really good. Um, it's just a little personal thing I have. So that was really intimidating. Um, but honestly, once you get started, it's a lot easier than it seems. And it really is, it gets really exciting because you're just telling everyone about what you're doing and you're just sharing how excited you are, just talking about it as much as you can, posting an obnoxious amount about it on social media and um, just bothering people with emails being like, hey, like this is coming up. I'm really excited about this. And um, just reaching out to as many contacts as you have. You see, before the run, each participant had to raise at least $4,500 on their own, either by asking people directly or trying to get sponsored by small businesses. Luckily for Eleanor, she was at USC. I was actually really, really lucky that I was at USC um, when I was fundraising because all of the businesses around here are really, really supportive of student like clubs and like student activities and stuff so they're really good for percent nights so I actually did a lot of my own personal fu um, fundraisers and then also I had some um, so I'm from Lexington Kentucky and I know a lot of people just in the businesses around Lexington and they were really really good about talking to their customers and working with me with that the majority of it was probably at USC and it's really just like I, I'm, I'm also a part of Students Helping Honduras um, and they're really big on they fundraise for school to help build schools in Honduras so I learned a lot of fundraising techniques just from them and like what stores are really good at uh, to like reach out to and talk to and stuff. Um, so I did a lot of little things in um, Columbia and then in Lexington that was really more reaching out to people I know just because I've lived there my whole life. So I know a lot more people who are like started a business here or they're really involved in the hospital here and so I could reach out to them and be like, hey, like I'm doing this. Can you help me out with this? Or like, can you put me in contact with someone? Stuff like that. So besides the fundraising, there still lies the big question. What about the running? I mean, it would be one thing to run five miles a day, or maybe even 10, but running 4,000 miles throughout a month and a half seems insane. Overall, it worked out to be about 15 miles per day, but leading up to that required a lot more work than Eleanor had anticipated. Well, actually, I was training for a marathon, so I was, wasn't really thinking about training for the 4K. I was thinking, wow, I've got to run 26.2 miles. Like, I better train for that. I didn't really think too much about, like, logistics. Like, hey, I'm traveling every weekend. Like, hey, um, I want to go have, like, dinner with my friends. I want to go do this and that. Um, and I didn't really think, like, hey, when you're training for a marathon, it's a big commitment and it's a lot of work. I'm very happy I did it. Um, but it was definitely... A very very challenging training um, just because there was that whole I'm abroad like I want to do a million and one things and running isn't always the very very top one but being in Barcelona means running in and around one of the most beautiful cities in Europe I found a really nice place in Barcelona to run. Um, so I have this national park, Park Colserola, and I would take the metro out there, and it was outside of the city, so it was nice because some, Barcelona's amazing, but sometimes it's a lot of city, and I just want to breathe some fresh air, so it kind of let me do that. It had a beautiful view of the city. You could see the sea. You could see the mountains, um, which was awesome. No matter how beautiful the location, the training is still hard especially when there isn't many people around supporting you day to day. I think it was very, very challenging 
Um, I think the most difficult part of training for the marathon, which I kind of equivalized to training for the 4K, um, it was, I think the hardest part was that because I was running abroad, no one else in the program was really like, oh yeah, let's wake up and go for 10 mile runs. That sounds like so much fun. Um, so I had to run by myself, which was very, very difficult. And I actually think um, training was more mentally draining and mentally exhausting than it was physically challenging. Although in the end, her hard work did pay off. She was able to run the Geneva Marathon in just under four hours. That means she beat the average running time of most U.S. marathon runners by 20 minutes. I was very happy with that for first marathon. Yeah. It was really beautiful. It was in Geneva um, and it was very flat. Thank goodness. <laughs> I remember being out in like the middle because the first half I would just felt horrible <laughs> and I was like, I really want to stop. And I was like, well, if I stop, I'm in the middle of the Swiss countryside. Like I'm still going to have to keep going. And that was my incentive for keeping on going and finishing the marathon. After months of training abroad yeah, and preparing both mentally and physically, she was finally ready to tackle her biggest challenge. The one that we've all been waiting to hear about the 4k. The basic structure of the run looked kind of like this. So we probably got up between 4.30 and 5, and we would, like everyone, you hear the alarm go off, we have a rooster, and they'll be like, hey, like you need to get out of bed, get out of bed. And some of them are really nice, and like, Eleanor, like it's time to wake up. And they'll be like, okay, I, I guess I could get up, even though it's 4.30 and it's dark outside. And other people would just be like, get out of bed, and they'd blur music at you. And then, um, so we were all assigned chores and stuff. So some people had to fill up the water for all the vans. Some people had to clean out the vans. And we have huge bins where we have all our snacks and stuff. And so we had to make sure those were all organized. And then you have to have breakfast and stuff. And so we, we, and then we usually, we try and get started like right when the sun has risen. That never, ever happened. We moved incredibly slowly in the morning. It's 30 of us and there's a lot going on. Um, so we just tried to clean up and get all that done as quickly as possible. Their team was split up into two vans, each with the goal of running 60 miles apiece between themselves and their next destination. And so the first van will let out two runners. You always run with a partner. You never, ever, ever run alone. And um, they'll run two miles and the van will drive up two miles and let out another pair of runners who will run two miles. And so you just kind of tag team it across until you finish your 60 miles. So a lot of times on the East Coast, just because there are so many more cars and um, people in just construction and stuff like that in general, um, we, couldn't, we weren't able to kind of finish all the miles with that. So a lot of times what we would do was we would run just as much of the route as we possibly could because that is what we're doing. That's like the purpose of the run is to run across the states. And then um, if we weren't able to finish all the miles, we would find a park or something in the city we were going to and we would finish running there. Wow. For them to have the drive and focus to actively seek out ways to finish their miles is incredible. After weeks of endless running, it shows dedication on the highest level possible. They weren't contractually obligated to finish each day, but they pushed themselves because they had made a commitment to the organization and to the cancer patients who don't have a choice but to persevere every day with their own burden. Um, so then when, whenever, at whatever point you end up finishing your miles, you'll either, if you're in van two, you, you will be there. Like when you finish your miles, you're at the host. Or if you're in van one, you'll drive the rest of the way. And there's always like a lot, a lot of competition between the vans. So you could finish first. And like people are like, oh man, I want to be in van one. That's the best van. Like stuff like that, which is really funny. Um, so then we'll get there. And probably the first thing everyone wants, if we haven't got food, is definitely food. And if not, we're all like, I want a shower because you're literally running all day. And I mean, if you run two miles at like six in the morning, you're not really that sweaty. 
But then you keep on going and going, and you just get sweatier and grosser and grosser, and you're literally sitting in the van for seven, eight hours in your own sweat, next to other people with their own sweat, and it's very disgusting, but you're all in the same boat doing it, so you're just kind of like, ew, we're all yucky, but we're all yucky together, so it's okay. But it makes the van smell very, very nice. But yeah, so we'll try and rush for the showers, Um, and you get back, and... Honestly, by that time, sometimes it's like six o'clock in the evening. You're like, wow, I'm kind of tired. So sometimes we'll kind of like have a lazy day and we'd kind of hang around the host and we talk to each other. And then sometimes we'll go out in the city and explore a little bit. Sometimes we'll get dinner out there because getting donated food is great. But sometimes you want to be on the menu, look at a menu and be like, I would actually like this on my Chipotle burrito and be able to choose. And we usually go to bed. Well, we, some people are like, all right, it's 730, like, lights out like headphones in lights out um and but i don't know sometimes i don't really know what i'd end up doing um i mean there's a lot of mission coordinator stuff which i usually had to do like later at night and stuff but i'd like look at my watch and be like 10 30 and be like well i am getting up in like six hours from now i should probably go to bed and then you look at your watch again and you're like oh now it's 11 11 30 i really should be going to bed so yeah then you, then you just go to bed and you wake up and you just do it all over again and that cycle repeated itself over and over until they finally finished in baltimore maryland their route took them through 12 different states that's around 4,000 miles of North American countryside. They got to see places like the Rocky Mountains or the Great Plains in the Midwest, the typical stuff you would want to see on a road trip across the country, except they got to do it on foot. However, not everything was quite so typical. The craziest stuff happens when you're running. Like once we were in, I think it was somewhere in Nebraska, and then we just passed by this place called Carhenge, which is just basically, it's Stonehenge in the middle of Nebraska, like you know, blank fields everywhere, there's nothing. And they're just these old cars that are put up and so they look like uh, Stonehenge. And we'll stop there and be like, wow, this is really cool, this is really weird. Despite the amazing and sometimes wacky nature of their trip, there's of course going to be some struggle that comes with it. Running at that intensity every single day is straining both physically and mentally. And that definitely showed on the trip. I think probably the hardest part of the 4k was probably like at the beginning it's great like you're all pumped up so much adrenaline but you hit the halfway point um we were probably somewhere around chicago where it was like wow i'm really tired um like my body's hurting now i'm um physically exhausted i'm mentally exhausted um also it didn't really help like it's so great that people are donating food absolutely amazing but um at the same time, like because it is donated food, you're not getting good quality food. And I'm talking about like you're not getting lots of veggies, you're not getting like lots of fruit. Well, so many bananas, but not a variety. And since you're running so much, um, you need those nutrients. So that definitely did take a toll on your body. And just because like on that, it was hard to stay connected to the mission at the same time. So the team at that moment, halfway between San Francisco and Baltimore, got together and decided right then and there to center themselves in their goal because that was the one thing that would be able to keep them going. Through all the struggle and hardship that they were facing, the one redeeming quality was that they were helping people and improving the lives of others one mile at a time. I don't know, we just kind of like had a, had a, we had a really big team talk and we were like, look, this, like, this is why we're here, like this is difficult right now. Um, and then we had a really good rest day in Chicago where we all just, I think, caught up on a lot of much needed sleep and we just all recovered. Um, and I don't know, it's not something that there's one thing that really pushes you through it. It's, it's really just your teammates. Um, like, 
the, the, they'll get up and they are really what pushes you just to keep going when you are tired and when you are like why am I running they'll be like hey you're running for your dad today um and like or like an example of that was um one of my best friends on the 4k gram he was running with this girl Jamie and then like having a bit of like a difficult day or like going through this slump here and then he was like you're running for your dad today like you're doing this for your dad and just like reminding them whether you're running and just having those little reminders and things like that really it just that's what makes you be able to finish the 4k like if I did not have my teammates I could never have done the, I could never have done the 4k and it would not have been the experience that it was point of the run isn't to be easy and is to make you realize like hey this is something really difficult that we're doing right now but you know what there's patients out there who have cancer and stuff they're going through chemo they're just going through so much more than I am right now and it's really putting life in perspective and um, it just helps you have so much more empathy for others. What really helped ground Eleanor and her team in their cause were their days of service. There they would help local hospitals and cancer centers care for patients. Some days all they would do was just simply talk with them. The stories they accumulated were inspiring and beautiful and served as a great indicator for what they were running for each day, the people behind the disease. This happened when they visited a cancer center in Omaha, Nebraska. The nurse was like, oh, hey, like you're gonna go into this room. So I went in there with um, my two friends and there was a cancer patient there and um, her name was Lisa. And we sat down there and we talked there and she was just the most incredible person. Like she had the, a very difficult life, but she turned it around herself. Basically, she was a big drug addict. She ended up in prison. And while she was in prison, she found out that she had cancer and she was given three months left to live. She was released from prison and she was like, what's the point, like I'm about to die anyway. But then 13 years later, and she was leaving the hospital that day, and she was like, yeah, like they told me I have three months left to live and I'm still here 13 years later. And that just made me realize what I'm doing. I'm not doing anything with my life right now. I am going down a, a dark hole. I am not happy. Once I realized that, I just turned my life around. Like I have been drug free since then, get, getting my life together. Like I have a home. I'm just so much happier in myself. And I have so much more confidence in myself. And she read us this beautiful poem um, called The Mirror. I can't remember it all off the top of my head, but she just recited it for us. Um, and it was all about how she had that realization and how she just turned her life around and just took, it's just so incredible. Like it must have taken so much inner strength. And I, one of those moments when you're like, this is why I'm doing the 4K, like this right here. Um, and you're just know that you're in the right place at the right time and that you're doing what you were supposed to be doing. This has been On Campus with stories from a college town. A big thanks to Emily Barber for conducting this interview and also to Eleanor Mooney. Eleanor, you inspire all of us to be better people and thank you for letting us share your story. For more information on the Ullman Cancer Fund or the 4K for Cancer, you can go to 4kforcancer.org or check out the link in the show notes of this episode. This has been a Garnet Media production in partnership with WUSC Columbia. When George and Luke asked where this week's episode was, I had to tell him. So I think I need like a little more time, like breather between that. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you in two weeks.